Hi, my name is DJ Trischler, and this is Process Out Loud, the podcast, a space where I reflect on everything I'm thinking about from the previous week. Most of the content relates to my experience as a newly appointed assistant professor of communication design at the University of Cincinnati's Allman School of Design and the College of Design, Architecture, Art, and Planning. I know that's an earful. It's easier to say DAP or D-A-A-P. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you've been here before, it's great to have you back. You may recall that my first 25 episodes cover my time as a Master of Design student at DAP. You'll find that the episode structure hasn't changed much. I wander hither and thither for 10 minutes or so about design, teaching, and research topics. I welcome your feedback and tips, especially encouraging the exchange of ideas and resources. My email is included in the show notes. There you'll find references to each episode as well. Okay, let's get on with today's ramblings. Hello and happy Labor Day, everyone. It's good to be back. Uh, It's been almost, actually, it's been over a year, almost a year and a half since I've recorded an episode, and a lot has changed since then. But I want to start off really quick with a a dream, an anecdote um, that has encouraged me to come back to the podcasting. And uh, that is, the other night I had this dream where twice I was in conversations with people and and I had like gigantic wad of... um, chewing gum in my mouth and I couldn't speak and the second instance that it occurred I, I pulled the, mouth, the gum out and it was like two large um, wads of chewing gum bubble gum in my mouth and, and I finally could say something and made me realize that uh, there's probably a lot within me that I'm needing to share regarding um, my new appointment as an assistant professor um, the previous summer since I graduated from um, my master's of design program and wrote a thesis and now I need to establish a uh, scholarship and um, show that I'm competent in teaching and service as a tenure tracked um, professor and so there's a lot going on and I don't really know where to start if I'm honest and so um, my wife has actually encouraged me several times to come back to this podcast And so I thought that maybe this would be a good place to start instead of writing, instead of making a journal article, instead of whatever. Um, Maybe this is a free space for me to just share. And if you all want to um, have a back and forth through some sort of email or or communication, that'd be great. But mostly I just needed a space to, you know, pull the the chewing gum out, so to speak. Um, And so that is it. So let me just begin, and I'm mindful of time. I like to keep these somewhere around 10 minutes or so, maybe 15 to 20 at the most. Um, But just a real quick update for those of you who have been here or want to know what has immediately been happening here in my life. Um, I graduated from the Master of Design program in April, May-ish. My thesis is related to um, what I called neighborhood-centered design. And uh, I have a link that I'll drop into the show notes that shows you um, a case study, a written thesis, um, some presentations that I've given, maybe even some resources that I've been collecting related to this. And and the long and the short is that um, I saw that graphic designers, communication designers like myself are ill-equipped when approaching neighborhoods. And oftentimes they go into branding, specifically branding neighborhoods that... uh, 
have been historically underinvested and um, disinvested and they slap a brand on and I don't blame designers for gentrification because that that starts way before um, with the disinvestment and underinvestment from the city and others out there but designers maybe don't know um, the sociological the anthropological the political context that they're stepping into when they they do design um, be it brand identity visual identity um, applications whatever it is EGD um, environmental graphic design um, whatever it is that they're trying to do they may not realize what they're stepping into and so this thesis um, come came up with uh, came up with nine guides or rules of thumb um, that prompt designers to think a little deeper in these spaces and look at the history of the space, look at the future of the space, look at the people in the space, work with the people in the space, look for their definitions of design and quality of life and um, where they want their community to go and be and um, really start from a grassroots perspective and work from there. And so I won't get into that too much more, but um, as a now academic and uh, assistant professor, I'm continuing that line of work, exploring, um, I believe my contract says, exploring uh, design artifacts and processes that foster equitable and resilient communities. And it, you may recall from previous conversations how I find this really important. Actually, I just submitted my thesis as a poster to a, a conference in Detroit that's related to climate change and argued that um, designers do need to be mindful of their methods in neighborhoods so that their methods lead to um, resilient communities, not just cool brand identities and consumerism, but actually how might these design processes counter some of the historic inequities in these neighborhoods, but also just the individualism that is true in the United States where um, let's say a heat wave does happen in my neighborhood. Who do you turn to? Who do you talk to? Who's going to check in on you? Um, and what if these design processes actually were ways of building community where the artifact isn't as important as the process itself and connecting people? And so um, that's, that's what I'm really interested in. I'm working on a project in my neighborhood, Price Hill right now, um, a park um, where it's a little parklet really. And um, we're trying to um, activate it with architectural um, interventions, seating, covering, um, spaces for people to hang out. But not only that, um, bringing, uh, trying to bring free public access to Wi-Fi uh, in that space through, um, hopefully through Cincinnati Bell or Alta Fiber here, local utility. And um, again, that's kind of working when we talk about um, equity too, like breaking the digital divide that is all too prevalent in the United States where um, people don't have home access to Wi-Fi or maybe they don't have a desktop computer or they don't feel comfortable going to a library. But how do we create spaces that people pass by every day that they could just check in quickly on their email or um, kids could maybe stop by after school and do homework or um, we could connect to Wi-Fi to have entertainment in those spaces. Um, and so there's a number of things that we could do there and others have done already. Um, there's also really great ways of um, not necessarily tracking, but looking at how many people go into the space um, before and after design interventions, 
Um, there's opportunities for so much there. I'll, I'll, I'll stop for now, but um, that's something I'm thinking about and working on with a, a colleague in the School of Architecture at, at DAP. We actually just got a really nice but small grant um, to, to kick off our work in that space. Um, you can learn more about it at uh, the nodeslab.org. Um, you'll see uh, the collection of data that we've been gathering over the last, oh gosh, almost four months, maybe even six months at this point, I don't know. But um, really interesting project and love to hear from anybody that has thoughts on digital divide, Wi-Fi access, um, park spaces, um, and community and design. Um, definitely looking for, for conversations there to happen in collaboration potential. Otherwise, I'm a teacher, and I'm teaching some of the same classes that I taught while I was doing this podcast prior, um, back at Welcome to Design, which is a great intro for fresh freshman students, um, first-year students coming into design school. And we really get philosophical in the beginning. This last week, we were asking ourselves, what is design? Who is a designer? And how does design make the world? And uh, every year I do this, I, I kind of renegotiate my definitions of design and share them with the class and um, this week was really interesting for me I came up with this diagram just showing like how everyone is a designer um, everyone has the capability of designing and I believe Herbert Simon said that design is any actions or activities that people um, partake in that increase their quality of life maybe I'm mixing up Herbert Simon and and John Heskett at this point, but um, nonetheless, everyone designs, but not everyone is trained to be a communication designer or an uh, industrial designer or a dentist for that matter. And so design in a lot of ways is ways in which we boost our quality of life or solve the problems in our lives um, or mitigate the problems in our lives. Dentists do that. Uh, communication designers do that. Industrial designers do that. But what makes my students unique and me unique is that I've gone through this rigorous training to do communication design, to um, study symbols and colors and typography, and to organize and reorganize and rearrange those elements to communicate to people and um, to make people's lives hopefully somewhat better. And so really distinguishing that design is this greater thing and that communication design is within that space and then even within communication design, there's so many pathways to practice um, communication design and so many opportunities there. And so my hope is that our students would come out seeing like, wow, I'm a part of this greater thing. I'm also a part of this field. And then within that field, there's so many variations of how I can practice, um, whether I go into a specialty or some sort of hybrid of a variety of, of different fields within the field and so that's exciting I'm also teaching typography and I love that I mean I think typography is really just teaching people to pay attention and um, I've been reading a lot of Simone Weil who's not a typographer um, a philosopher and uh, and she just talks about the importance of paying attention and that starts at like doing kind of these these exercises like arithmetic problems but I see that um, my students working with type and learning to see type and to pay attention to something so seemingly meaningless as a, a character um, that's honing their ability to pay attention and 
that will then, according to Simone Weil, will help, um, you know, practicing pay attention helps us care for others, helps us see others, helps us be better people in the world. And so I see typography as a highly important class, um, not just because uh, I want them to know the ins and outs, kerning, tracking, letting, um, character classif type classification, what's a font, what's a typeface, etc., or even just layout and composition, but I hope that they're learning to pay attention as well, and that is extremely important if we look through the framework of Simone Weil. Um, I'm also teaching uh, an introduction to research methods to juniors, and gosh, that's a, that's a dream to teach this course, just because I kind of consider myself as a design methods person. Um, I love studying methods. I love coming up with research questions and then picking methods for those research questions. And so to work with students from the ground up on group projects um, related to, I think the five topics we're looking at is education, human rights. Um, what are the other two, three? Uh, gosh, I'm blanking at the moment, but yeah, education, human rights, and um, there's three other topics that are that are really important. Um, accessibility was one, um, and there's there's two more. But looking at those, and then and then looking at them through the lens of design research, and coming up with a problem statement, and then getting that really refined to a point that they can come up with a project definition, and and see how they can approach this space with visual communication design, not as a dentist, not as an industrial designer, not as an anthropologist, but as a, a visual communication designer, um, knowing that there's overlaps, of course, in those spaces. And so I'm really, really into that. And something, because of um, some, uh, I guess, conversations with students, um, something I tried this year that I've heard a lot about, I've tried to do it myself, but I haven't really done it an ADAPT course yet is um, we had the students do positionality statements this semester, um, really to look at like who are they personally, privately with themselves, and know that they have a worldview and that that worldview is shaped by their um, how they were socialized and where they come from, who they are, their parents, their their religious traditions, their um, so social backgrounds, um, and so who they are impacts how they approach a project. And I want them to see that, uh, and again, thanks to encouragement of other students to do this, um, I want them to see that, that they have a drastically different perspective than maybe a lot of people in the world. And that's gonna impact how they go to that project. And um, hopefully they have some humility going to that project and they know that their worldview is not the only worldview. And that is, that's so, I think, critical, um, that there's not a universal worldview um, that there's there's a lot of them and I guess on the heels of a you know I don't know much about it but I saw in Chile that um, the Constitution the, the leftist Constitution wasn't voted in yesterday but um, one thing that I was really excited about that Constitution and sad to see and hopefully they'll, they'll find a way to revise it and get it back in there was this like plural national um, approach where the indigenous peoples of that country, which there several could have their own autonomy within within the nation. And um, what I love about that and getting back to worldviews is just this idea and we I've been shaped in the readings of Arturo Escobar and designs for the pluriverse, but that we need to make a world where um, many worlds fit. And 
starting at a classroom level knowing that um, my students come from many different worlds and we're designing a world hopefully where many worlds fit and Arturo Escobar he pulls that from the Zapatistas of Mexico um, but really interesting stuff and and I see my time is at 15 minutes and I'll want to bear this to a close here but um, some other things I guess that I'll, I'll just end with that I'm thinking about and want to share I've already mentioned um, the the submission to the conference I've mentioned the uh, the grant but the the other thing as far as like you know working towards this idea of tenure which is really daunting um, another thing I'm I'm thinking about publishing or working on is I, I did some work for visible language this past semester as a student that that could be published and it been thinking hard about whether or not how to how to do that and so um, maybe for those of you who are closer to me you may know that writing is it's always a challenge for me and so I'm looking there hopefully to get some coaching and uh, to work on that article and uh, hopefully be talking more about that throughout the next couple weeks or months and um, this is just the beginning this is the beginning of something and the other day I thought to myself wow I can't wait to go to work tomorrow and while I'm at work I often feel like wow this is exactly where I'm supposed to be and so I have a lot of imposter syndrome, but I also have a lot of confidence that I'm in the right space and just trying to take it one day at a time and, and see what opportunities arise. And um, really grateful to be at the University of Cincinnati, really grateful for my colleagues and um, mentors there, whether it's Matt Wazinski, Claudia, Claudia um, Rubala, um, Stephanie and so many more. Um, really excited to be in the mentoring program with um, Jordan Tate at the School of or not the School of Design, but the School of Art at DAP. Um, I'm meeting so many great people in different schools. Um, met a person who does community action research. Met someone who's in studies criminology. Um, met somebody who does uh, psychology, but specifically looking at motivation in the classroom. Um, met another person who's really interested in urban farming and gardens. Um, and so, yeah, to be in this, this space with people who are continually learning, whether it be students or professors, I feel really lucky right now. And um, with that, I'll, I'll end this for the week and look forward to sharing more in the future. Hope you have a good one, and please do stay in touch if you feel so inclined.